0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: Did you know Toyota of Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at ToyotaBrookhaven.com.
2: Great service, great savings. At Toyota of Brookhaven, we deliver.
0: Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call
3: you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. I am so glad to be here. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Yeah, it's winter. Okay, we know it's winter. The good news is we're in the very deep south. This week I don't have to warn you about uh, what our friend Gary Bachman has dubbed the Friesegeden. <laughs> now, th- now I wanted to start today with an appropriate tribute. He has retired. da da! Congratulations to Gary. Even better, congratulations to Katie, his beautiful, wonderful, smart, bright, absolutely terrific wife. Because that's not the end of horticulture. Come on. Gary's got lots to do. You're gonna see him here, there, and everywhere, I am absolutely certain. Not to mention having the opportunity, maybe even, to get his advice about something that you hadn't thought to ask before. Because when some when people retire sometimes they have an opportunity to pontificate a little bit, and I look forward to hearing everything he has to say. So congratulations, Dr. Gary Bachman. And glad you could glad you could announce all of this. Um I have to tell you The shirts that they make you wear at Cooperative Extension when you retire, (laughs) that's a joke. But it it does say something to the effect of, don't ask me. (laughs) Some big, not my job, that kind of stuff. So that's fun, too. And they'll have a little bit more time for just day-to-day fun things that are going on in their life. Welcome into weekend gardening, because guess what? We're still gardening over here, I'm glad to say. My name is Nellie Neal. Thank you for that so much to my father who thought it would be a funny name. He was right. Bless him, but at the same time, hardly anybody can forget it, and I'm happy for that. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for being a gardener or and or a radio listener and or a streamer. Maybe you're even uh, admiring my sweatshirt. At supertalk.tv. TV. We'll we'll hear from y'all, I'm sure. But whatever's on your garden mind today, this is the place and this is in fact the time. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is the Super Talk call line. Six zero one eight seven nine. 4395 will get you right here to me on the C Spire text line. Y'all are very kind to send me things that sometimes I can talk about, and I appreciate that very, very much. I've had lots of reports this week of people's um, damage from the Is it? And, and, and frankly, as much of that damage is from the incredible warm-up right afterwards because that's really the the plant tissue has a tough time. If you think everybody you know has a runny nose, think of your plants. They're, they're in the same kind of situation. But as I'm standing staring out the window trying to heed my own advice, it's so tempting to get out there and start pruning. Resist. Resist. Go do something else. I have a new garden bed to plant. I'm focused on that right now. Most of the daffodils have come up here, here there, and everywhere time to fertilize them if you have not done so. So there's a lot of things that we can do that don't involve creating what could be more problems for the plants that have already had a serious blast of cold and then a serious quick warm up on the heels of that. Plants can adapt, you know. We we learn about that just by growing them. But in terms of these changing environments, the the climate changes the one year it's really, really dry. The next year it's really, really wet. Those are not scientific measurements, but you've lived through them. You know that I'm speaking the truth here. Plants can't adapt as quickly. can't go put a coat on, for example. They can't uh, stand at the back door and, and insist that you not make them go outside like my cats. <laughs> the plants are still outside and for the the ones that are outside the ones that are inside of course are suffering from the heat that you've been running in the house which is now too dry on them so we've got all sorts of things that we can talk about i'm fascinated though by this study from stockholm university about lignin chemistry we've talked about here lots everybody talks about the fact that at least the animals can move if the conditions are not are no longer cool enough or or are suddenly much warmer and they need to be someplace else, they can move, but they can't necessarily take their food sources with them, and the plants obviously can't just pick up their roots and move north or east or wherever they might be able to get a better growing environment. So this new study is showing us how the specific chemistry of lignin is actually something that plants encode which helps them sustain change you know, of all sorts, helps them grow faster, grow taller, helps them deal with temperature fluctuations, and presumably the reverse of all of that when absolutely nothing happens that's supposed to be happening for them. You see, that's part of this. As we look at, for example, we talk about pruning hydrangeas in the if they are limelights, if they are paniculata-type hydrangeas. We do prune those in the fall, but otherwise we just take the flowers off of the other kinds of hydrangeas that we grow. Well, if the fall doesn't come on as well and doesn't get chilly and the leaves don't drop, when do we prune them? You don't want to prune a plant like that. In the time that it's not dormant because you're trying to get it beefed up, you know, so to speak, or planted up for next spring, you're not trying to encourage it to grow right then. So all of these things are cases where we have to hope that the plants can adapt. And this particular study from Stockholm University tells us that they are a little bit better at it than we may have thought. They are... They're different. There's some plants that naturally have a better adaptability in in the context of their lignin. They can make a change that either toughens them up or makes them a little bit less resistant to the drought or a little bit more abil- more able to handle the changing temperatures that change so quickly on them. But these are the things that are pretty exciting it It is in fact important to understand that lignin is a carbon sink that stores about 30% of the total carbon on the planet. So when people talk to you about carbon sequestration, that's, that's a big topic up here somewhere, but the lignin in the plants is actually what's doing the work of at least 30% of that effort. So that's why they're studying it, and that's why it's important for us to understand that plants can adapt. But we're going to be seeing studies that select plants for areas that are most subject to change based on either the variety or the species itself that can handle it. For example, if you could come up with a drought-tolerant rice, (laughs) you would have a really big deal, all right? If you could come up with a corn that could stand in water for three weeks, you would have a really great crop. We don't have those things right now, but the way that the weather is changing, and not the weather, but the way that the climate is changing, it, it tells us these trends are going to be different and we're going to have to adapt. So I'm in hopes that the lignin will be something. Maybe we should put that on T-shirts. Lignin matters. You know, lignin is important. There are other things, of course, in the carbon sequestration process, but lignin is something that nobody ever talks about, and that's why we're here. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven is weekend gardening. And yeah, it's th- January is not the time that everybody's necessarily thinking about gardening, but I hope you're thinking about pruning those fruit trees because. If you have apples, pears, plums that were already dormant, you're going to want to go ahead and do the pruning that you would ordinarily do at this time of year. We're not trying to get off the cycle. Same is true of ornamental grasses. Mine are... I, they look so pretty, I hate to go start cutting on them. But if I don't, you see, if we don't cut them back, don't cut down the fountain grasses and the muley grasses and all of these things sometime between now and about Valentine's Day. If we don't cut them down, then when they begin to grow, they're too crowded and they end up splitting themselves. Um, you've seen you've seen pampas grass where the flowers are all shooting out to one direction you know the flowers are going north and the plants going south well the plant has just sort of lost its way there because it ended up getting overgrown in the clump fountain grass will do that you'll end up with two pieces of fountain grass that are okay looking but the flowers will just the plumes will just be a mess because they're trying to come up when the plant's too crowded so get a few of them but they won't be as pretty that's one of the reasons that we prune those and it's important to do that um, it's it's real important. I have a lot of things that are going on right now in my garden that I'm not that interested in. I was hoping to see a little bit of suppression, for example, but the chickweed has already sprouted. <laughs> Yours probably has too. Um, I'm looking at trees that are half brown, but I've still got Clara Curtis mums that have put green down at the ground level. So I'm cutting the top off of them. I got most of that out last week. But cutting the top off of them to compost it and give the others room to, to maneuver, I think they're going to be very prolific because they got a little bit of a shock. The Many of them were in, still in bloom when that cold weather hit. Let's see. Um, you're going to speak for... Somebody is that uh, right? Hey, Lance. <laughs> hey, Miss Nellie.
4: Yeah, Reagan from Nettleton, and he said he would rather just ask, you know us ask the question directly and, and let you talk. But then he
3: has to put up with us making fun <laughs> of him, right? Because right? we are the least intimidating people you'll ever run into. In your, we're less intimidating than the grocery clerk. Okay, he, he, he that he you, said, you I see just every get week. Well, we just you know.
4: But he was super guy. So, and uh, his his brother was the mayor of Nettleton, and he's now um, public service commissioner. So. I bet he could speak. Yeah, he's got that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's just having a heck of a mole problem. He said tearing uh, it up everywhere. He's, uh, he's he said uh, he gave him a fighting chance, but he needs some <laughs> advice. So.
3: Well, the moles will win if you let them. It's kind of like having armadillos. Once the family moves in, there's a lot to be said for evacuation as quickly as possible. Here's the thing about moles. They're not really interested in your lawn grass, although it appears that they are because they're underneath there. What they're looking for is white grubs that grow under there. Now, if you've never known that you had white grubs and you don't tend tend to go out and dig up holes, you know, in your lawn so you you wouldn't see them. There are a couple of ways to note that you've got them. One is that in the summertime especially when the weather tends to be drier there'll be a little bit less abundance of soil, I mean of grass, next to your sidewalk because the soil is full of white grubs there. They love the warmth of a nice concrete block, for example. So they'll get along the driveway, they'll get along the sidewalk. And they're everywhere in the lawn, but you will be a congregation of them in those warmer spots. And when you see that, you you know for sure that it's there. Easier way, take your shovel, go out there. And dig a hole, and you won't have to turn do anything but turn over a little soil. They're an inch to an inch and a half long, sometimes they're curled, sometimes they're not, and they are voracious now, the only thing more voracious than them is the moles, and the moles get in of course, get under the soil and and eat the white grubs, and then they move over to the other side of your yard and eat those white grubs, and then they move over here and have a family, and then they move over here and have one and the next thing you know your yard's a mess. So, there are a few ways to cope with it. The biggest is to get rid of that food source, and that's going to involve putting down a product that is intended to kill white grubs in your lawn. It's done with a walk behind spreader, and you do it. and You may have to do it two years in a row. You may not, because you may may or may you may run those moles off, and that's done. The other is the milky spore organic or natural product approach. Okay which is fine, but it takes two applications. You have to do one in the spring and one in the fall. And if you have a really big mole problem, I can see why you wouldn't want to wait for the results. So I'll tell you a couple other things about moles because I know more about them than I want to. When I was a kid, my we did not um, get an allowance in my family. If, if, if you needed some money, you had to basically go kind of negotiate for it and get something done but daddy would flip us a little bit of money a penny or a nickel or something when we went out and stomped down the runs from the moles we had to keep the front yard padded down and then when they would pop up the next morning he would take a garden hose shove it into that run because that's where they're active right then turn the hose on and go to work Nobody's going to do that anymore. Your neighbors will call when your lawn floats. You know, it's it's not as not nearly as likely that that's going to be the the way to approach it. But there is a good thing to be said for once you get the 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 control happening with the white grubs, you will probably want to go and get one of those rollers and roll your lawn back into a slightly flatter circumstance. So moles were a big deal, and I hope that helped. And I, I have to tell you as The member of my family who couldn't speak out loud for a long time, I get so nervous. Oh, my goodness. I understand completely. And I just have to poke a little bit of gentle fun because that's what we do here. <laughs> well,
4: moles will make you nervous, too. You know, you look at your yard getting torn up, and you're going, man, what do I do? And why did I buy all that sod? Yeah, you well, know, no, what no, that am that I doing out there? Waste. And I've noticed that sometimes you'll see uh, the grubs in inside, too. You know, oh, sure. Yeah,
3: they, I've seen yeah. that quite a bit. I mean, few if times. you don't know what you're looking at, you mm-hmm. don't realize you're bringing them to your house. Right.
4: You know, a, get, a, get a mason jar and, and get you some fishing worms uh, because I've, I've used them. They're not bad.
3: They're, they're, they like there, There are several things that are very attracted to them. Um, that's for sure. There, there's. It's really funny. The it, it's like it's like anything else. The reason that the west coast of our country has an escargot industry or a snail industry is because someone tried to have a snail industry. I mean, has a snail problem is because somebody tried to have a snail industry. They escaped, and there are places in Northern California in the Bay Area, particularly where the the plant the growing area was located for them you can't put your shovel in the soil without hitting crunch from the snail shells that are in there from all the years that they've been there but that's very unusual usually we run into uh, the if you if you've got a lot of white grubs you get the moles the moles take care of the problem to a certain extent but then the moles multiply and the grubs multiply and the next thing you know there's a party going on out in your front yard, and you're not invited, so you've got to do something about it. I understand that. Let's see. Mary's in Canton. She wants to know if it's too late to apply pre-emerge for sticker burrs if they have already popped up. Yeah, it's generally speaking, we think of January as a time to put out pre-emerge. But I realize that this whole year is kind of thrown off and some things are like my Claire Curtis mums, already trying to sprout because they're so afraid they're going to be dead. They don't really have that consciousness, but that's what I think is going on in their reactions. So I'm not going to say not to apply it, but I do think that you if you've already got the problem, you'll need to go with a post-emerge instead of a pre-emerge. That makes sense. Yes, Janet's in North Mississippi and um, her, her ornamental cabbage and pansies look really dead. I, I understand some of them are. And, in fact, the garden centers have, have ordered in more pansies. You know, <laughs> Anybody that was intending a little bit somewhere other part of the country that was intending to plant pansies, say, in February or March, because that's when they plant them, they're not going to have any because they've all come down here. But I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to say that they're dead. But I can't. I would tell you to pull one up and be sure. And when that happens, yes, go ahead and replace them. It's a good source of compost. I have pansies in containers. I have one that's dead and one that's not. Go figure. They're exactly the same soil, exactly the same plant. That's part of the variability of gardening. Keeps us interested, doesn't it? Oh my goodness! Don't forget, Flower Growers of Mississippi is getting started. You want to join us with for about professional cut flower growing, as well as people who are interested in professional cut flower growing, building that industry. Get in touch, dyowl at aol.com. Classes are starting up. And, of course, don't forget about garden event 22 at gmail.com. You want to come to the Lakeland Yard Bunch, Lakeland Lunch Bunch. All right, we'll be there. Stick around.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. Hitting a single is great, but you know what's better? Doubles, triples, and home runs. Getting more for less always feels great which is why I tell everyone to take advantage of Farm Bureau's Home and Auto Insurance Bundle. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favorites.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com.
5: our highways safe for everyone thank you and drive safe
6: the life of jesus parallels that of the people of israel in the old testament with an important difference where they failed he didn't dr tony cook explains this
2: week on the lutheran hour each sunday morning at 7 on supertalk 97.3
0: it's the year-end sales event at Ridgeland, Mitsubishi. Get power, safety features, and bold style, plus an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Check out the all-new Outlander PHEV or drive a 2023 Outlander today, starting at $27,595. let us go to the year-end sales event
7: at Ridgeland, Mitsubishi. Manufacturer suggested retail price based on Outlander ES2WD. Excludes destination, handling, tax title, license, etc. Price terms and vehicle availability may vary. See dealer for limited warranty and program details. Offer ends
0: one 3 Some people get covid and thought well that wasn't such a big deal but you can get covid again and next time it could be worse especially for those 50 and older or with a chronic condition like heart disease or diabetes but with an updated vaccine you have better protection from covid's worst outcomes and that's a big deal find updated covid vaccines near you at vaccines.gov we can do this Dream. The new degree of comfort.
2: The best made to order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th and goal Sports Cafe. Homestyle plates full of catfish, shrimp, and rib tips, just to name a few. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769 208 8283. Once again, 769 208 8283.
9: With SkyRizzy, you could achieve
8: 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call one 866 sky to learn more.
3: goodness, Andrea's got a big garden problem today, and she's not the only one. Tulips in a bag, not in the refrigerator, still hanging around somewhere in the house, in the back of the car, who knows? (laughs) As long as they're intact, I'm going to go ahead and plant them. What may happen is that you may get a bloom on a three-inch stem, but the chances are very slim that you would be able to chill them long enough for it to make a difference. Now, that that being said, if you want to put them in the refrigerator until Valentine's Day, that's about the last day that I'll plant tulips with any expectation of getting them to bloom. So I've done that a couple of times with leftover bulbs, things that were given to me, you know, before Valentine's Day, not not already in bloom, just the, the bulbs themselves. So... Maybe that will work, but I'm probably going to plant them rather than try and do all that. So you have two choices. If if you put them in the refrigerator, make sure you plant them by Valentine's Day in central Mississippi, she's in Madison County. On the other hand, if you're farther south, for example, you just really you really need to plant them wherever you are. <laughs> but if you want to wait, wait until no later than Valentine's to get them in the ground, okay? Okay. Well, Sometimes you start down a path and you just have to keep going because it makes sense and and all these bits and pieces have come to me. I've had these stories in a row today because this week has been the carbon sink week in my my world of research, I think. Today we already have this lignin is one part of this, phytoplankton is another. Now, how are we going to get the phytoplankton to work harder you wouldn't think we'd need them to because they already work part pretty hard as it is and indeed the goal would be at this point to feed them those those tiny little microscopic plants that are the, really the key you know in terms of the ocean's ecosystem they do some they, they feed so many things but the idea would be, to encourage them to take up and therefore sequester more carbon dioxide. We do that. It turns out, according to this Pacific Northwest National Study Department of Energy doing the work, that an iron-based fertilizer, really tiny amounts of it, can stimulate plankton to pull carbon dioxide from the ocean, and that means it would be a carbon negative process or a carbon sinking process. So particularly in areas where we understand that there is not enough phytoplankton, where the oceans have changed their character and food sources have changed. We're seeing already cases where creatures are farther out, closer up to the countries that we understand where they used to be. They're not in the same lagoon anymore. They're out there. They're not over here. The classic, I suppose, is... on the west coast anyway the classic is is crab legs you know the crab the giant crabs are not where they used to be so the fishermen are having to go figure out where the food source is that they're eating and therefore if we could put a food source not necessarily the one for the crabs but a phytoplankton into specific places where it has become depleted we not only can help the environment itself but also the creatures that live there so it makes a whole lot of sense um they've argued this whole thing is it it exists because it already happens and the the research exists that is because the process already happens the idea is to augment them Um, this is like the ultimate in my head they didn't say this but in my head this is the ultimate use of the dead zone if we could figure out a way to get those nutrients to not land in a dead zone but instead to feed something else once they got into the water we would have a much better situation than we do want to know more about it nature nanotechnology <laughs> i didn't know that was a journal but it is it's a thing oh my goodness should i replant the onions yeah i'm i'm uh i'm i'm trimming off the brown part and i'm planting another little bulb next to where the one was that doesn't look too good in case it comes back i'll have two all right I'm not yanking them out of the ground. I'm not. On the other hand, if you take one up and it's soft and mushy and gone, you know it's soft and mushy and gone. But if there's a little bit of strength left in that stem, I'm just taking off the brown leaves and putting another bulb close by. It, they, they won't crowd each other too much if they both make it. But in, in that particular case, I think the onions themselves are going to be tougher than we expect, but we're not going to be able to keep all of them. Not everything's going to work. What to fertilize daffodils with? This is Jackie from Brandon. Um, You know, there's a couple of choices in terms of uh, fertilizing daffodils. Many people will just say, whatever you got. They just need a little fertilizer. If you're buying something, I do like the commercial product called Bulb Food because it comes in a small bag. It's not something you have to store a whole lot of. It does have other uses in the garden, but it's got exactly what the bulbs would need. On the other hand, if your bulbs have been doing okay and you just want to give them a little bit of boost, then sure, anything's, anything's good. Just a little bit of it, not too much. All right? The other thing that she's got, it I, I can't tell what these are, and they yes, they do look frozen. Um I am not going to do anything about this particular group except go in and cut back a couple of stems and see if there's anything green in there at all. And that's, that's all I'm going to look for right now. Too many changes yet to come to start cutting off and repotting and doing all the other things that you might eventually want to do. But I am going to look and see whether or not they're alive. Okay? Okay. Nice pots, by the way. And I love your cart. Jackie has the cart that we all need. There's, that's a that speaking of next year's Christmas list, put that on your list. Well, just one more on the carbon sink issue because I just can't I can't leave this unsaid. We've gone with the lignin in plants. we've gone with phytoplankton in the oceans. Two places that carbon is sequestered and can be stored and is stored and should be stored more. We're, we're working on getting this to work. Why do we need to w- get this to work? Because we would like to ameliorate some of this changing climate. We would like it to not get any nuttier than it already is. If you look at the, what the climate has done to us, we have polar vortexes coming farther south, we have tropical winds coming farther north, where there are just all sorts of things that we're not accustomed to. When we first began discussing this issue, I had I had an insight and I've shared it with a bunch of people that the edges are are sharper. We we've always had a roller coaster of weather, but instead of it going up and down and up and down now it goes up and down and up and down, you know, and drought and rain. I mean we, we we're just much more radical in both ends of the the spectrum, drought, dry weather, wet weather, cold weather, hot weather. And those are the things that stress all of us and our plants. And it's
4: a La Nina, you know,
3: winter. And it's a La Nina
4: winter, which doesn't
3: help either. <laughs> Good grief. How did we live before we knew about those things? You know, we, we used to not know that there was such a thing, and there it is. But any rate, so now let's go to one more. Carbon-hungry microorganisms. You knew we had to get down to the micro level at some point. This is Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory. I know there's a lot of prejudices, People say, oh, MIT, oh, Lawrence Livermore. If I'd been smart enough to get into either one of them, I'd been happy, okay? (laughs) But that that wasn't likely to happen. Meanwhile, this is a new technique. They've been studying bacteria long enough to know how the bacteria work, and they're studying the bacteria to convert carbon dioxide, this is just so crazy, into solar fuel through artificial photosynthesis. Doesn't that sound like word salad? That doesn't sound like that could possibly be even a speculative thing, but it's a real deal. They have demonstrated this technique. They have done the positive modeling for the next piece of it, which is to say what they have to do to get it to work. It is a metab- This metabolic process converts carbon dioxide, hold on now, into liquid acetate, and as we know from previous studies that have, have been um, recently released, That's a key ingredient in producing liquid sunlight. Now, that's a term that comes in quotation marks because it's not an actual thing. It is, in fact, solar fuel produced through artificial photosynthesis. Good grief. This is so magic. This is just absolutely wonderful. And it's reported in yet another journal that I never heard of, Nature Catalyst. Nature Catalyst. How many subscribers could that have? I probably have more subscribers to my newsletter, and it's – they're not – I mean, we're a small but tight, very passionate group, okay? Anyway, they selectively converted carbon dioxide by basically hitchhiking along with the little microorganisms that do it in life. (laughs) thats I just love this. The folks in the artificial photosynthesis field, of course, and I'm pretty sure that we talked about this before, have wanted – to be able to develop devices to mimic that chemistry, okay, because it would make the next part of their work a lot easier. But if the microorganisms can do it, we ought to be able to do it too. And sure enough, they did. That's just wild. Isn't that wonderful? So much fun. There's good news about carbon dioxide. There's bad news about carbon dioxide. But we now have three different ways in which it's attempted to be the research is showing us that it can be sequestered, and those are all things that I think are very, very positive. Well, now, that's just beautiful, John. Um, there, there's there, 27. Good grief. I think that's a yin-yang in your moon, but I can't really see it. So one of these days I'll, I'll have better eyesight, I think, or I'll have, a, I'll have a computer I can zero in on. They're going to give me a thing eventually that will let me look like a jeweler's lens onto the computer. <laughs> I can't blow it up any farther than I can blow it up. I know that there's a lot going on in all of our gardens that we are kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm happy to tell you that uh, there's going to be a lot of cleaning up the monkey grass. Oh, my goodness. At my house, it got burned badly. And usually, you know, in, in late January or so, we go out we look at liriope we look at mondo grass we look at these other clumping ground covers and we say nah it's okay i'll just let it grow for a while this is not the year to do that this is the year to go out take weekend gardening in your ear take some music whatever you're going to do and sit down and trim those things we're going to need to do that in a few more weeks because they're going to start growing and when they start growing if the if the The tip is growing in the center, and they have to grow up over all of this other dead material. You end up with a nice little hat of new leaves, and all this other stuff that's decomposing underneath it really doesn't look too good. Now, you don't need to cut necessarily. You may want to cut because it may only only be half the leaf that is damaged. But if it's the entire leaf, when you get to ready to do that, and really with anything that you're taking down, use your gloved hand. Don't be cutting. You don't want to cut down into, for example, any perennial, whether it's a, a, a clumping grass or whether it's your lantana, you don't want to cut down into the crown. So do the kind of trimming that you can do when it's soft tissue with gloved hands. If it's something like my lantana, I'm gonna cut it, but I'm still gonna leave a little bit above the ground for it. I don't I'm not gonna allow the I'm not gonna allow my enthusiasm to actually damage the crown of the plant be doing all of that in the next few weeks. I know some of you can't wait any longer. you're you're going to get out there and do it anyway, so I may as well tell you how. <laughs> yeah, here's azaleas and Confederate Jasmine. looks like you've been in my backyard and um, this is Gloria from Clinton. We're We're waiting right now. In terms of these plants, both Confederate jasmine and azaleas, and in my case, a whole bunch of other shrubs and trees, we're waiting to see if the leaves just fall off and push out new leaves, or if they don't fall off, or if they fall off and don't push out new leaves. Now, how do we know all of those things? Well, I'll tell you a secret. You can go out and shake them a little bit and if the tree if the leaves all immediately fall off you're good just leave it and wait and see if anything sprouts out in the next month on the other hand if you shake them and nothing will fall off you're going to want to start doing a scratch test pretty soon to see if the tips are actually still alive because you may have plenty of live plant but it just won't be out there on the edges so you can do those kind of testing things now but don't do that heavy pruning i'm telling you you start pruning now, we get warm weather, and those shrubs start to try to grow, and then we get cold weather again, they get more set back, and even worse, you have to prune again. So leave them alone. Let them recover as much as they can on their own. And give yourself the opportunity, as as someone famous in my business says, just look the other way. <laughs> just don't look over there for a while. <laughs> look over there. Don't look over here. Draw, draw your attention to something else. See if you can uh, go pick out a new shrub or something and enjoy that. I'm looking at frozen camellia buds. I'm looking at several things that I just don't know. I I, I know I've lost the flowers, but I hope I'm not going to lose the plants. All right, now, I want to talk about Edgeworthia. I want to talk about whatever's on your mind. And I also want to talk a little bit about coming spring and starting seeds. How about that? Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. Mississippi is my home. I've been all over the state and seen just about all there is to see. As a native, joining Farm Bureau is a no-brainer. They're there when I need them, with competitive rates and exceptional customer service. If you aren't already on the team, it's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
10: I love it. Catfish is
6: excellent. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk.
4: What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth.
7: Hey, there's hair on my head again.
4: If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Let us change your car buying experience.
6: Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland.
8: And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive.
3: It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out?
8: Oh, yeah.
6: Let me just toss all these $20 bills.
3: Great. Let me grab your trash can.
8: Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry-on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Potential savings will vary. We expect our information in real time. U.S. Med carries continuous glucose monitors which provide real-time readings of blood glucose levels. US Med is an approved provider for Medicare and over 500 private insurers. So call 800-730-8405 today for a free insurance and Medicare benefits check. As easy as that's 800-730-8405.
3: Me a few weeks ago, how do you pick the music that you play? And I say, well, some days I'm in one mood and some days I'm in another. So today is today is an interesting combination of things. Um, the computer suggests things. I suggest of others from time, usually, and from time to time. But you can't help but have a little bit of spring in your step. With a little bit of stir it up, and and that is what we like to do around here. Let no one think," said the Czech Carol Kopek, who was born, by the way, on January 9th and gave us the word "robot" in the, in, a, in written terms for the, for the apparently first published time. Don't argue with me because I'm I don't know that that's true. But it's what he's attributed to back in 1920. Let no one think that real gardening is a bucolic and meditative occupation, he tells us. It is an insatiable passion, like everything else to which a man gives his heart. <laughs> I like that. It's too long for a t shirt, but it's not too long for a good quote. I like it. I am here to talk to give you some good ideas about air plants, too, today. I've, I've had those on my mind. The Tillandsia group I think is one that is um well it's just overlooked. We see those things sitting on a shelf somewhere and we think well it just sits there on a shelf it couldn't be a real plant. Yes it is. They only use what little bit of roots they have to anchor themselves to other things. They're they're epiphytic, they're not parasitic. They don't take water and nutrients from that host. They just attach themselves to it. But that's also why you will see two or three air plants inside of a, a crystal ball sort of thing, hanging up sometimes, and, and they're, they don't need much attention either. That's all about a very cool thing called trichomes. And no, it doesn't mean three-hair barrettes. It's not it's not trichome that way. It's T-R-I-C-H-O-M-E-S. Trichomes are kind of scalish structures that are on leaves that you don't really understand why they're there, Okay. There's different uses for them. They do different things. And in the case of air plants, in the case of the Tillantias, that's where they get their water and nutrients. They absorb them through their trichomes. But lest you think that trichomes are all as sweet and kind and wonderful and nourishing as this, you should also know that they are responsible for drought resistance in plants like lambs ears, stachys. And they're also... (coughs) That's what the predator bites first or which you grab first in stinging nettle. They're a repellent. So what I want, of course, now is I want everything to have trichomes that repels whatever it is that was trying to eat it. (laughs) If we could have, could we have some more perennials with trichomes? Obviously, that's why deer don't eat stackers. They say it's because it's gray. I think it's because there's trichomes there, and that's not what they want to eat. But anyway, we'll have to, we'll find out. Good question on the C Spire text line this morning. When is the? What is the best time to relandscape your yard? From Tricia, that's a good question, Tricia. It's kind of an ongoing process. But if I had a, if I had a project and I was going to relandscape somewhere, I would start in January by getting a design together. Talk to a landscape architect. Talk to a garden designer. Spend, you know, get yourself lost for a few days online looking at other designs and at all the pictures you've ever taken of things that you liked that you would like to see in your design. So I'm going to start there. And then it's also a good time to begin the trees and shrubs, those kinds of purchases, as well as all the hardscape. If you're doing benches or you're doing columns or you're doing a pathway, all those kinds of things really need to be in place. And those are the first steps. After that, really, it does begin to sort of be, well, I need a hedge over here because the neighbors are too loud or I need to knock down this tree because I don't have any sun, you know, I've got this or that to do. And those are the kinds of choices that you make in the process. But those are all things that flow from your design. And whether you do it yourself or purchase it from somebody or, as I say, just kind of look at the pictures you like and go with it, go with your, your instincts, however it turns out, um, that's where you start. Now, the first thing the landscape architect is going to ask you is, does your property slope away from your house? Do you have drainage? Do you have a natural view? Do you have And those are all things that are very, very important. So you need to ask yourself those questions too, but start now. And I don't I think if you want for example, if you'd like to be able to sit in that garden by May for Mother's Day, you you need to get busy. You <laughs> need to get started. Why not, huh? Oh, my goodness. I have had several people who have registered, and I'm very happy to tell you that the Lakeland Lunch Bunch, which I chewed up and did not say properly in the last um, last exit here, I'm excited about this. This is going to be you bring your lunch. We'll provide drinks and dessert. It's going to be at 1130 on Monday, January 30th and Monday, February the 6th. You can come to one or both. For those of you who know me, and um, you, you can tell your friends too, I very seldom do the same thing twice in a row. So even if I had the same agenda, which I won't, but even if I had the same agenda, it would be a different program. Um, Becky Potts and I are going to talk about, the, we're going to pick on both of our brains and talk about the houseplants that we grow, the ones we should grow, and what to do with the ones that we have because sometimes they can be a bit a bit of a problem with one issue or another. And then we're going to get into propagation um, that probably will be the second second Monday of that pair okay all right I want to tell you about edgeworthia we've talked with Anna in Oxford about her edgeworthia from time to time I they're not a whole lot of plants and I'm not I don't say this with ego I just have been taught a whole lot of plants they're not a whole lot of plants that catch my breath every time I see them edgeworthia is one of them It will grow in zones 7 all the way through 10, but it needs afternoon shade. So I see it in an area, you know, for example, where I want to put it is in my front garden bed because the house shades the afternoon sun but there's plenty of sun in the morning for it to get everything that it needs i'm able to grow just about anything in that space as long as it doesn't need a full day of sun i wouldn't grow tomatoes in that spot for example because they need more hours of sunlight but in the case of edgeworthia particularly it's called paper bush is how you will see it listed it it's one of those things that I'm, I'm a big fan, you know, of native plants, and in fact, pushing for more native plants all the time. But I have to say, there are some imports that are worth considering, and Edgeworthia is one of them. It's a very dramatic plant. It blooms for weeks, then it puts on its leaves, and the flowers that it does are are, are called umbral. That's the the botanic indication. Um, the best one I can tell you about that's an umbral, it, it, it does have a slight umbrella shape to it, is a lantana flower. That flower cluster is called an umbral, and this is a similar one. It, it goes is a little bit looser, but it has that same sort of lots of tubes, okay, really pretty flowers. But they appear, they're yellow, and they appear on the gray stems before the leaves appear in the springtime, which is part of why it's so dramatic. I like it a lot. I think it belongs in more of our gardens and I hope that you'll consider it. I'm going to get one. So if you want if you're looking by all means we will We'll, we'll get together. We'll get somebody to get us some. It's beautiful. Isn't you know, that a lovely plant? I, I, had to
4: look it up. I was thinking it would be some weird spelling of it. I'm thinking, you know, Latin. Nope. No, it's Edgeworth. Edg- it's Edgeworth. <laughs> you know, it's, it's and then he yep. was a member of parliament and an amateur yep. botanist. He was lucky p- enough
3: to have a plant name. Sound like he yeah, yeah. had
4: a lot of fun doing that. Well,
3: like Diefenbachia is named for a guy named Diefenbach. You know, so we we do it. Sometimes it's real obvious. Some of those things, like there's there's um, there's there's critters named now for Beyonce, because of her beauty and, and their beauty, but they don't they're not Beyonce. They have bee in them, and they're not bees. So anyway, just uh, that, all of those sorts of things that that those people that are lucky enough to either get to name, or that get things named after them, I like it. I think it's really cool. It's sort of a hidden charm. Stick around. This is Weekend Gardening.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. I wouldn't be where I am today without the love and support of my family. It's critical to have people around you that are always on your team. The outstanding folks at Farm Bureau do just that, with their competitive rates and exceptional customer service. Be a part of the team that rallies around you. It's time to join Farm Bureau. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
2: Hey guys, it's football season again And the College Corner is back to get you geared up for game day We have significantly increased our inventory So there is even more to choose from Still waiting in lines and fighting the big crowds in Starkville and Oxford? Come by and our staff will have you in and out and on your way Want to score a touchdown at your next tailgate or homegate party? Then look for us online at collegecornerstore.com Or come see us at our Ridgeland store and in Flowood The College Corner, where it's our job to make your Saturdays great Having any electrical problems? LaValley Electrical Services. We install new switches, breakers, relays, and Kohler generators. Valley Electrical Services. We handle new lighting fixtures, ceiling fans, electrical outlets, and LED lights. Valley Electrical Services. 601-228-9969. 601-228-9969. That's 601-228-9969. Or online at LaValyservices.com. That's lavallyservices.com.
7: Your home for Ole Miss Sports, WFMN, Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
11: It's Alyssa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News. Governor Tate Reeves announced Tuesday that he will be running for another term. While he touted successes like the largest tax cut in state history and the increase in teacher pay, he told us the past four years hasn't been without its challenges. The most federally declared disasters Mississippi's ever had in any one year was four prior to me being sworn into office. And we had 14 in our first 14 months in office. And so uh, there was a lot of challenging times and and people could have thrown their arms up in the air and and given up. But they didn't. Mississippians did what Mississippians do. They responded uh, to the challenges, whether it be tornadoes or hurricanes or uh, natural disasters or uh, the COVID a situation that that we had to deal with there for uh, the first year we were in office. As of now, no other candidates have officially announced a run for the gubernatorial position. For more Mississippi news, log on to supertalk.fm.
1: This is professional ball player and former Mississippi State Bulldog, Jake Mangum. On the field, I've got to be ready for anything. And off the field, I've still got to be ready for anything. That's why I'm excited about Farm Bureau's new auto and life insurance discount. Two things I needed a great price for my friends at Farm Bureau Insurance. Visit favrates.com for great rates on home and auto insurance. Or find a local agent at msfbins.com. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team.
3: Agriculture is Mississippi's number one industry, employing over 17% of the state's workforce, either directly or indirectly. We asked Senator Chuck Younger about his top concerns for the industry moving forward.
5: Environmental agencies probably... Watching the farmers closer with the different chemicals we have, of course, that's the good thing. It can also be a bad thing.
3: He also mentioned the Express Grain fiasco. Former Express Grain Terminal CEO John Coleman is now being charged with defrauding farmers, banks, and the Mississippi Department of Agriculture.
5: Farmers that want to volunteer into the indemnity program to help out farmers if another grain facility goes belly up like Express Grain did. When we issue a license to a elevator, we've got to do a better job of auditing that elevator. You know, it's it's, it's a lot going on there that we need to look at and make sure that this doesn't happen again.
10: From Sports Mississippi. I'm Dixon Williams. Big battle in the Southeastern Conference basketball action today finds the Ole Miss Rebels at Mississippi State. Today, with a one o'clock tip-off at the Humphrey Coliseum, both teams looking to break three-game losing skid. The Rebels are eight and six, 0 and two in the league, while the Bulldogs are 11 and three, and 0 and two in the league. The game will be on CBS at one o'clock. This afternoon, tip off the Humphrey Coliseum. Twelve thirty is the airtime on the Ole Miss and the Mississippi State basketball networks. Other action in the SEC: Vanderbilt is at number twenty. Missouri, Kentucky is at number seven. Alabama, Georgia is at Florida. Number eight, Tennessee is at South Carolina. LSU at Texas A&M. Number thirteen, Arkansas is at number twenty-two. Auburn in SEC basketball action today. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
9: Please never use gas appliances for purposes which they are not intended. A gas oven should never be used for heating purposes and never store flammable materials inside propane cylinders. The Mississippi Propane Gas Association takes pride in protecting your home or business. We ensure that our products are delivered in compliance with the highest industry safety standards. Plus, we offer free gas checks for our customers. Energy
5: for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. One
10: more college football playoff game to be played, and that is Monday night in the 2023 College Football Playoff National Championship between number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs and number three-ranked TCU Horned Frogs on Monday night. 6.30 is the Central Time kickoff in Los Angeles, California. The TCU Horned Frogs are 13-1 after pulling off the biggest upset playoff history when they knocked off number two Michigan fifty-one forty-five 45 Vesta Bowl. And Georgia got there with a comeback 42-41 win over Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. Georgia looking to become the first team to win a consecutive national championship since Alabama did it in 2010-2011 and the first ever to do it in the college football playoff era. And one more football note as the Pro Football Hall of Fame has unveiled the 15 modern era finalists for the class of 2023 and among them is former Ole Miss and San Francisco 49 star linebacker Patrick Willis. I'm Dixon Williams of Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
0: Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call
3: you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. I have been amazed this week at the number of people that want to discuss whether it's King's Night, Epiphany, Twelfth Night. All of those – King Cake started yesterday, last night. Mardi Gras starts now. The rest of it is religious. The rest of it you can get into if you want to or not. But if, like me, you're mostly interested in King Cake and the colors purple, green, and gold, now's our time. So (laughs) there it is. And I don't care where you are. Mardi Gras is a big deal in many, 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 many places. We just kind of get – we could kind of hooked on one notion. Um, the big discussion at my house is that my, my, my daughter's coming up from New Orleans, and the question is, do you want a plain king cake or do you want a stuffed king cake? I confess, I like plain king cake, but everybody else in the world wants it either stuffed with blueberry goo or with, you know, peaches or something. I had never seen those until my well into my adult life when i was determined that i was going to learn how to bake with yeast which by the way was not successful one of the first things i tried to do after yeast rolls was to make a cinnamon roll dough this is a very bad thing yeast and i are not friends but it it never occurred to me that you should stuff it so there it's there's just so many opportunities out here (laughs) what's going on in your garden What do you like your king cake stuffed with? 888-808-8637. That is the Super Talk call line, and I appreciate you using it. You know that I get lonely here if you don't call. 601-879-4395. There are plenty of people who would say, yeah, but you go on anyway. That's true, but I do read your texts, and we will voice your call if you can't talk or won't. I shouldn't say can't if you won't. We're kind enough to do that. You know, back in the days, the early days of talk radio, you were not allowed to do that. If someone called and they didn't want to talk on there, you said, see you later and hung up. You know, <laughs> But we're a little bit friendlier, just a little bit. University of Michigan is an interesting place. I have known people that went to school there. I have known people that taught there. I've known people that... Said it was too cold and left there. Um, it did all, there there's just a whole thing. There's a whole lot of football there. There's a whole lot of all sorts of things, including studies about people. I believe that this can be attributed to the fact that, let's face it, it's really cold in Michigan a lot of the time. You got to stay indoors, so you might as well see what people are doing. You can't really go out and you know you could study penguins, I guess, but you can't go out and study a lot of other things at that particular time. Why it is this? But it turns out that in the uh, and this this is following in what I understand as well. We like villains. That's right. That's right. We really like villains. Now, in my case, um, I, most of my villains in my head are, are Bond villains, and there's I certainly have my favorites. You probably do too. But why is it that we even like villains? They're well, it's because we tend to think the best of people, and we really do think that underneath it all, Ursula on Little Mermaid is actually a friendly, wonderful woman. That that Pat Carroll's voice, that that the, the late Pat Carroll, brilliant, brilliant actress, that. that that those voices, those sounds, that animation and stuff is really just belying a delightful, sweet, kind person underneath. This group did a great bunch of study. Um, we, We really do believe that heroes are supposed to be good inside and out, but we'll let villains have a rough edge. They focused on this particular group of people, 400 and some odd children and more than 200 adults, to determine how they make sense out of these antisocial events that happen that are perp- perpetrated rather by the evil doers. Okay. Well, I, this is just so funny to me. The studies established that children view the villains actions and their emotions as overwhelmingly negative. We're supposed to do that. That means that they've set the story up properly, but, when we judge people as good, generally speaking, you know, you have to have an upside to have a downside. So in order to understand how good the good guys can be, you got to have the villains. you got to have the bad guys. And even if we are, as these kids are, judgmental, you know, everybody judges people back and forth. But it doesn't appreciate, doesn't change our appreciation for that villainy because the villainy has its own attraction, as it turns out. They wanted to talk about the moral character of the villains and the heroes and their true selves as if we could know the difference interestingly enough whether or not the character tells you stuff that's not in character with either their goodness or their badness and whether that can change over time now you understand that fundamental plot development indicates that something has to change if we have a plot we have to have an establishing situation, then we have to have something that happens, and we have to have a character that rises to the occasion, and then perhaps fails, but we still have to have both of those things. And indeed, across this whole business of measuring, both children and adults consistently evaluated the villain's true selves to be overwhelmingly evil, evil and much more negative than the heroes. At the same time, though, The villains were more likely to have a true self that differed, so that was also noted. It was a different thing. Interestingly enough, um, everybody believes Ursula has a little goodness in her. I'm not sure if The Little Mermaid would agree, but, but we all feel that way. Come on now. you got Everybody's got a favorite Bond villain. You know that. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Annette's in Greenwood on the phone this morning. Welcome in to Weekend Gardening, Annette. What's on your mind? Hi.
9: Hello. Um, I had a, have a question about planning. Uh, I received two threadleaf fault cypress uh, as a gift. Beautiful. Uh, the specific name was Golden Mops. Mm-hmm. Uh, Since we still have most of the winter in front of us, um, do I need to go ahead and put those in the ground and mulch them or just try to put them in a protected place and keep them watered?
3: If the if you see the weather is really really bitter, I might hold on to them. But this is a very hardy tree, um, but and, and one that is, fits that de- definition that we would like it to be in the ground long enough for its roots to get comfortable before we ask the top to try and produce anything like new leaves. So, okay, I'd go ahead and plant so during them during a warmer time. Well, in this this, okay this coming, yeah, this coming week is going to be fairly warm, and I think another couple of weeks are going to be fairly warm. But we still we plant trees in cold weather anyway. If if your forecast was for eighty degrees for the next month, I would say maybe just water those things and hold on to them. <laughs> but the conditions for planting are actually going to be very good from the way it looks now. Okay. What a All beautiful right. plant, though. That was though. My question. That a lo- lovely gift. Beautiful plant.
9: Yes, I, I think they will be. I just we had had such terribly cold weather a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh no, how am I going to keep these alive till I can plant them?
3: But well, and, and right. of course, you I'll always could. You could hold them, and, and if we were. If, this, if the weather that we just had had happened at, say, the end of January, the beginning of February, I would be much more likely to say, hold on a minute, it's probably going to get that cold again here in just, you know, a heartbeat. <laughs> but I think it will be at least right. that long before it gets that cold, and they'll have had a chance to get settled by then. So, they, they yes, they should be all right by then. Yes, the I think okay, they'll be fine. Thank no, you I, so wouldn't, I wouldn't fertilize I them, but I would mulch them. Okay. Mulch but no for a mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. Appreciate you listening. I miss Greenwood. I'm, I want to get there this spring. I, I hear a rumor I might be able to get there this spring. We'll see. We'll see. I was,
4: I was t- what a beautiful town. I mean, Greenwood is a gem.
3: Lovely. Just lovely. Good friends. Good place. Fun, fun, fun. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Mike's in Oxford and has jade plants in his front garden. On the patio, they froze. Yeah, I bet they did. Um, Will they come back? I don't know. It's it's one of those things that's hard to tell. Now, if they had frozen and desiccated, they would have already collapsed. So the chances are that they have made it, but they're going to be pretty well set back. They're not hardy in in that. They're not hardy enough to survive ten degrees for very long for any length of time. But a quick dip like that in a protected patio, they may make it. Um, uh, it's another case where I'm, I might go out and just give them a little r- brush, a little shake, and see how many leaves fall off, and 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 go from there. But, but they, they're not dead necessarily. If they were absolutely dead, they'd have collapsed, because jade plants are capable of doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Corinne's crossing her fingers too. Her, her, her sweet olive looks a little bit worse than mine. <laughs> Mine's got, although mine is more disconcerting looking. This one's lost all of its leaves. Mine has half of its leaves on one side. That doesn't make any sense at all. But there we are. Oh goodness, sixteen years old. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, let's see. Daylilies in Leland and pansies were destroyed there. She says by the. Uh, by the by, the freeze replacement plants for early blooming, really pretty much whatever you can find in terms of plants. But you can certainly seed things like larkspur and delphinium in Leland, and and have a wonderful year with cornflowers. You, you can you know you can seed those things right now. If you could find plants, that would be one thing. If you go to work on these daylilies, though, again, just use that gloved hand and and remove anything that comes off easily. Don't start pulling on them, don't start tugging on them, and don't start cutting them. But you can clean them up a little bit just with your hands. That's okay. Where to find milkweed plants to get an early start for pollinators? That's a good question, and in fact, it is an issue. Um, a friend of mine, a writer that you may have heard of named Tova Martin, who is a brilliant garden writer, horticulturist person, has 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 sent about um, information regarding the pesticide residues in some seedlings and some seeds of our, our dear friends, the milkweed plants. So I would go ahead and order from a trusted source somewhere like Renee's seeds or um seed savers exchange somebody that will tell you specifically where those seeds have been or that and or that they are organic or have been raised sustainably and go ahead and start them now i would i'd start your own plants i don't know where you're going to find plants at this time of year so if you but if you start seeds you'll have them ready to put out as soon as they can possibly be installed in the garden i like it um it's going to be hard to find plants. The pansies are going to be out there. There might be some snapdragons, but most of those are going to be gone. You're going to have to go for some se- some seeds, I think. Let's see. Um, Jen's in Madison, and her fatsia plant is very, very droopy. Yeah, so's mine. And I'd already cut mine back because it had gotten too big. I did that a year or so ago, and now I wish I hadn't because then at least the top part would have frozen and the rest of it would <laughs> might maybe still be alive. Um it, it, it the, the leaves are damaged. The leaves are probably dead, but but the plant may not be. We just have to hold on and wait and see. Again, it's a case where if you can take your hand and literally just touch it and the leaves fall off, go ahead and take them out. That's fine. But don't cut, don't pull, and don't tug, okay? Oh, goodness. Beautiful fats. I love fatsias. I really do. I think they're some of my, my, the prettiest plants that we have in outside of the tropics for tropical flair, that in turn can survive a lot of conditions. But it, that, that particular deep, fast drift happening while so many plants were still fully greened is a very, very difficult one for all of us to, to get past. Very difficult. Oh, dear, dear, dear. You know, people are so funny. Human beings... We we put boots on our dogs, okay? I mean, human beings are just the caring, loving, and sometimes silliest people in the world. Um, University of California, Los Angeles, has done some research into wildlife crossings. And apparently we need some psychologists for the wildlife because they have a fear of using the wildlife crossings. Okay? We can't ask them why. All right. The the hedgehog crossings, for instance, in Britain have the same situation. Some use them right away, some don't. There are there are all kind of examples of this, and some animals will and some animals won't. There they are um PLOS one is where this report's coming. We do know about PLOS one, With we, we I realize it's a real thing. But this particular bit of research has been going on for a long time. However, you probably heard about the mountain lion that was recently captured in Los Angeles because it essentially was, you know, going in the house and playing the piano at the people's houses. It was it it had violated its its space, okay. And indeed, it had numerous injuries from being hit by cars, so it needed some attention anyway. But they have always tagged as many of these creatures as they could find, so that they understand what creatures are in the urban environment and and where they're going and what they're doing. And indeed that gives impetus to wildlife crossings that are a little bit safer for them. However, it actually is an interesting – there's a couple of phenomenons going on here. If your population has always been over here in point A and everybody's gone back and forth based on this trail, you know, to the store over yonder or the town back there or the, whatever it is, That's one thing. If suddenly something is built around and you are sequestered there, you might think of it um, like the European ghettos, the shuttles, okay, where you can't go out of that area. You're not allowed to. Well, that's what highways do to wildlife. You can't get there without getting killed. You can't go across that road without getting killed. So that leads to an unfortunate level of inbreeding amongst the creatures that live there. And that in turn weakens the species. So the, the wildlife crossings that yes, I do, I do make fun of a little bit because sometimes they're, I'm, 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 I'm not little, but I am a little old lady. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who's perfectly capable of stomping my fist, foot and waving my fist and saying, you should do this to fix this problem. Kind of Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, if you think about it. But in my case, there are, there are limits. And I've always felt like this whole wildlife thing was kind of a funny notion. Until you recognize that we're trying to keep the population diverse in the same way that we're trying to keep the population of corn diverse by growing varieties that we don't eat anymore. We need to keep these things going. We're going to have to put a psychologist right there and talk these critters into going across the wildlife barrier because there's some that just won't go. Some of them are afraid They get under there, I can see it, and you hear the cars going over the top. You know, that's kind of scary. But we're going to have to work it out because we need diversity in our critters as well as in our plants. Oh, my goodness. We haven't heard this tune in a long time. I like it. Stick around for more weekend gardening.
2: The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at Fourth Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's
6: 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Family Termite is a proud VIP sponsor of the Handyman Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Whether you're a proud DIYer or a seasoned veteran, Mississippi's handyman Buddy
5: Slowick has the answers to your home improvement questions each Saturday from 10 till noon.
6: make a new year's resolution that's easy to keep help protect your identity and finances with lifelock identity theft protection lifelock detects identity threats you may miss on your own and if you become a victim lifelock will work to fix it no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses but lifelock by norton makes it easy to help protect yourself join now and save up to 25 percent off your first year go to lifelock.com Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com.
9: I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. Why are we on this planet? Did God create us just to work the 9-to-5 grind and crash for the weekend? No. Our Creator wants to use us, you and me, to give back to others. You can be a part of God's bringing restoration to a fallen world by donating or volunteering, or both, at Gateway Rescue Mission right here in Jackson. Check us out at gatewaymission.org.
1: Listening to the radio station where the mighty hosts of heaven sing. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. If you want to hear the songs of Zion coming from the land of endless the spring, get in touch with God. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on. Turn your radio on and listen to the music in the air. Turn your radio on.
3: It's hard to get rid of this. Just such a wonderful song. I had I've had two people guess who this person was. I, I know I've said before that it's John Hartfield, but there um, there's plenty of people that don't know the the music, or they've never they've never seen somebody play the banjo and keep time with a with their shoes on a piece of wood before. <laughs> All these kind of crazy things. It's not gone though. Trust me, the the movement is big and busting out out there. You can find all kinds of bluegrass music all over the place, and it's it's a joy. It's just a joy. And speaking of that, I've not had a stroke, but there are people who would say that they that I act like it sometimes. That the University of Helsinki is letting us know that singing, in fact, is a supportive thing in stroke rehabilitation. This is perfectly serious, and indeed. We know that there are cases and and examples of people who have been able to sing when they could no longer speak, or who, frankly, were not that good as singers and suddenly were better after something after some neurologic event happened to them. But in this case, this is about aphasia, which is, of course, the the difficulty in hearing, difficulty in understanding, comprehending, and even sometimes to produce spoken words. It's not a hearing loss, but it's the inability to process what you're hearing in an effective way. It does have to do with cerebrovascular stuff. Um, And when, when we talk about aphasia, it can be part of a stroke. It can be part of other things as well, though. And aphasia is one of those things that if you're, if the person that you are taking care of has a stroke, the chances are four in ten that they will experience aphasia. On the other hand, you can experience aphasia for several other reasons. We here we certainly have heard about Bruce Willis and, and other people who lose their ability to – they they still know what you're saying at some level, but they can't comprehend it in time, in in real time, and at the same time they cannot speak as effectively as they once could. So it has – Really wide-ranging effects. According to this recent study at the University of Helsinki, I would love to have been there when they figured this out. When the first therapist said, okay, now we're going to sing. you know, <laughs> Let's try this. We're going to sing. I would like to have been there the first time somebody said, okay, now if you just grow these plants, you will feel better, the plants will do nicely, and some of your anxiety and stress will be reduced. Those are all true things, okay? Those are all absolutely true. I have to confess, I have a a room full of plants that I only go in when I want to take care of something and feel better because they don't really need that much attention. But I have others that are very demanding. They get attention every day, but this other room, it's a little bit easier going plants and things that I'm not having to pay so much attention to, that's where I get my joy is taking care of those, okay? So in this particular case, it's about singing. Singing-based group rehabilitation. It can, in fact, translate into better communication verbally, and that's so exciting. They, This is the first where caregivers participated in rehabilitation and their psychological well-being was evaluated. In other words, not just the people who needed the therapy, the, the people who take care of the people who needed the therapy. I love this. Melodic intonation therapy is where speech production is practiced using melody and rhythm to progress from singing towards speech production. If you think about it, when we help a kid learn how to speak a lot of what we do is sing-songy and so if you if you think about how you naturally speak to someone say who's who has a vocabulary of 20 words and they're working they're, they're pushing for 40 by the afternoon kids kids learn words so fast when they have the opportunity to do that so you do that the sing-song business does have something to do um and indeed it's it's helpful not only to um Every, it's helpful to everybody. Now, having said that, I'm pretty sure that ministers and choir directors have known this for a very long time. You can keep us in the seats for a period, of, but we need to get up and sing. We need to make that joyful noise, you know, at some point. And it doesn't stop just because you've had a stroke or because you have great responsibilities in caregiving. We still need to sing. It's important. And we can measure it now, which is perhaps even more fun. I have uh, a couple of things here. When can I plant arborvitaes? Go ahead. That's a tree. Trees and shrubs, big shrub, small tree, whichever way you want to look at arborvitae. I love arborvitae. Um, That's another plant much like the cypress that I was talking about. If if this was February and you said you had just gotten it, I might say, let's wait and see what the weather's going to do for the next few weeks. But. There's plenty of time now to go ahead and get those planted, let them have their opportunity to set down their roots before we ask them to grow in the spring. I love, love, love the car size Sasanqua. Thank you so much for sending me the picture. (laughs) That's just beautiful. Katie's in Long Beach. and uh, Yeah, we do. Sometimes they get that big, and this one's gorgeous. Just lovely. Let's see. Mike wants me to talk about... um, Sweet olive trees haven't lost all their leaves. Yes, they did. This is, I don't know where you are, Mike, but all across the state we've seen that. And it's not, we can't do anything about it right now. That's why I don't want you to get out and start pruning. What you need to do is look and see, go ahead and rake the leaves up if it'll make you feel better, and let the tree wait and see whether it can push out some new leaves in the next month. At that point, we will know many times it's going to be the case where you'll see something has lost every leaf and it's going to put out leaves at the bottom but not at the top. And when the top finally doesn't leaf out at all by late February, early March, we'll go back in. That's when we'll do that pruning. The pruning that we usually do to evergreens will be able to go on if they are in good condition. The pruning that we do to ornamental grasses continues because that's a different kind of plant. But the trees and the shrubs need to be allowed to try to recover on their own before we start chopping on them. And I'll say that knowing full well that there's somebody out there sharpening their pruner right now (laughs) because that's what we're like. (laughs) Let's see. When do I spray for fire blight on pear trees? Well, if, if the trees have fire blight, January is the time to prune and get all of that material out. You you would prune it anyway if it appeared in the late spring, but in January, certainly, we want to go ahead and do all the pruning, get all the damaged wood out and get it out of the garden. Don't leave it around. And then, in fact, that's the point where you want to go ahead and start treating for the fire blight because you'll start with an oil spray. And the oil spray is, of course, to suppress a lot of other things that are going on. It will help a little bit with the fire blight, too. Okay, fire blight is almost an insolvable problem, so you should know that. I hate it, but it's true. Fire blight is one of those things... I think the prettiest I've ever seen was on pyracanthas that were trained up against a wall. And it literally looked like someone the, – the, the wall was brick red. And the pyracanthas, one year I was by there, and they were green and beautiful and had the big red berries, and they were just gorgeous. And the next year the fire blight had taken it, and it looked as if someone had literally set every stem on fire and just burned it up with gas. That's not what happens. It's it's a disease, but that but it looks like somebody set fire to it, which is kind of sad and in many ways very sad. Okay, a lot of times we we end up deciding to replace the tree or to plant at least to plant another one far away from where that one was, so that if this one doesn't survive, we have another tree that we can put energy into over the next several years. Okay, well. Wouldn't you think we knew everything? We don't. Thirty-five new species of fish, new to science. Obviously, they weren't new to the place, the the, the Bolivian Park where they were living. This is the megadiverse Madidi National Park in Bolivia. I have only read little bits and pieces of things about this place, but it is one of those that um, if I were to have a bucket list, I would want to go there. The number of fish species recorded there, has now doubled to a staggering 333 species. Good grief! And 35 of them are brand new to science as of this study. Neotropical and Aquatic Conservation is reporting from the Wildlife Conservation Society. The species range in, in um, this thing is just like huge, you know, several meters long. That they had not, that they had seen, which is an invasive arapaima, all the way down to these teeny tiny little killfish, which are there's zillions of them. But the most beautiful game fish from the Amazon, the golden dorado, is. You notice that we name things, and they get prettier as we name them. You know that this is a one that's really really lovely. Uh, meanwhile, the goliath catfish. Yep, that's right. And I love this, the chippy-chippy pencil catfish. It's a teeny-tiny little catfish. But the electric knife fish, I mean, we got all kind of fish. It's just really wonderful. (laughs) We want to talk to Mike, huh? Okay. Hey, Mike, what's going on? You're you're looking at your sweet olive this morning?
9: I am. I've been looking at them since uh, the end of the freeze. I have 12 of them. 25 years plus old some of them are close to 20 feet tall and they have all dropped all their leaves yeah Uh, i haven't heard it officially said i just do nothing
3: nothing or now is the time to do nothing you can rake up the leaves that are around them you know that's fine clean up the area but right now, what we're waiting to see is whether or not they're going to be able to leaf out at all. And we won't, we won't know that for several more weeks. The problem, if you weeks start, are- pr- if you start pruning on them and then they try to leaf out, that's the growth that then could get killed in February. And you would find yourself either with a tree that has been set back or one that you then have to turn around and prune again. Or in this case, 20 of them that you have to prune again. So right now, it's okay. a matter of just cleaning up the debris and leaving them be for the next several weeks, at least, I suspect. Least we, I suspect that like mine, because mine's, my yours is better than mine in some ways. Mine has some leaves on one side of it, but not on the other, and it's also twenty-some odd okay, years old. Okay. So I stare yeah, at it, well, and I look not. at it, and I go, "Well, what's going to happen now?" I don't know, but I, I suspect what we're all going to see is that there's going to be some regrowth, some new growth come out. But there will be bare areas of stem. And so once those new leaves get started, we'll be able to go in and just cut off selectively where it doesn't come back. In your case, that's okay. going to be a big job.
9: Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a hire somebody. But job.
3: doesn't it smell Shut wonderful? Up. when? Oh, my goodness. I can only when imagine. When
9: they're blasting, you just drive in the driveway.
3: Love it. Love it, love it.
9: Yeah, I love it, too. Yeah, what about a fertilizer come springtime? Should, does that help? in this situation or just well, it, do it, what I've done?
3: it will help if they leaf out. It will certainly help to fertilize them, and we'll be doing a lot of fertilizing in March and then again in July probably or, or late June to help some of these evergreens get back. But okay. don't do it now. It
9: looks like some ligustrums and a, uh survived and some uh, Christmas camellia bushes are mm-hmm. actually, it killed the buds.
3: But yeah, They're yeah. actually
9: starting to open now.
3: Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. A, that, part that, of it that, is the yeah. age, part of it's the exposure, and part of it is, unfortunately, just the roll of the dice. <laughs>
9: you know? Yeah. Boy, what what looks funny, you know, I had tree lights and all, I mean, up lights, you know, that are shining oh, yeah. up. through These sweet olives. You talk about a different look tonight. <laughs> or, <you>
3: know, <laughs> oh, yes. Branches. Entirely it's different. different. That I bet yeah, that's a blast a though. A I mean if you're gonna enjoy something, at least you you know, you've got all the moonlight in the world <laughs> out there.
9: Yeah. Yeah, last night was good. Okay. Well thank you. Thank so you much. much.
3: Thank Take care. care now. My goodness, that it's quite a problem. It's it's quite a thing. Um I have to tell you though that sometimes we are we're fooled. Plants will do the ones that we don't think are gonna come back will come back and the ones that do come back we're shocked because we didn't think that they would i agree that, that the camellias are likely to be able to survive but the buds are toast <laughs> just put it to put it mildly now if you're somewhere and your your camellia buds are not toast let me know if there's going to be a show okay because if there are we'll all be going to them mahonias let's see oh i love mahonias um where to plant a Mahonia? They're they're a shade-loving plant, and one of the reasons that I say that is because they will grow beautifully in the understory. Um, I have one under a magnolia tree that had to be limbed up. I don't usually do that. But you've also got um, spaces where you would grow camellias and azaleas and hollies and other things that need that afternoon shade. That's where the Mahonia is going to do its best. I love that. love Mahonias. Um, no, Ray, I don't believe there's gonna be a show this year. <laughs> hey Trey. <laughs> Happy New Year from Carl at LaFleur's Bluff, too. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful shamrock. Yeah, I'll give you the I'll give you the proper name here in a minute. It'll come to me. Stick around, my friends. We got a little ways to go this morning. It's weekend gardening.
6: Welcome back. We're talking to Bob and his wife, Jenny, about
2: doghouse living. Well, it's okay. Ours is a two-story doghouse. And on the bright side, it's a great alternative for today's high-priced homes.
3: Really? Try having your feet hang out all winter.
9: Well, my daddy always said put your best foot forward. Folks, stay out of the doghouse by calling 811 before you dig. Let's make our goal zero damages, zero injuries.
7: with money-saving cheer during the New Year's celebration sales event at Mazda of Jackson. 2023 is here, and it's finally time for you to get that new vehicle you've been waiting for. At Mazda of Jackson, we resolve to save you money on our entire selection, and to give you the best dealer experience, period. Right now, get super low 2.9% financing for 60 months on new 2023 Mazda CX-9s, and 3.9% financing for 60 months on new 2023 Mazda CX-5s. Buy a new Mazda, and Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Mazdaofjackson.com, plus Buy with confidence with a 20-year and 250,000-mile powertrain warranty. Our credit specialists work hard to get you approved, no matter your past credit history. 100% credit approval is our number one goal. And bring us your trade. We'll buy it, even if you don't buy a new one from us. So come save big during the New Year's celebration sales event at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. With proof of credit, want to see any more details.
6: For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. Celebrating our 40th anniversary at Cock of
2: the Walk, voted the best catfish in Mississippi with our grilled or fried catfish along with greens, coleslaw and a skillet of our homemade cornbread. With locations on the reservoir, Pocahontas and 1 mile from the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville,
6: Tennessee. Catfish, hush puppies and fried dill pickles. For a flipping good time, come down to Cock of the Walk. I
1: like chicken. I like fish. I like hush puppies.
0: The new degree of comfort some people get covid and thought well that wasn't such a big deal but you can get covid again and next time it could be worse especially for those 50 and older or with a chronic condition like heart disease or diabetes but with an updated vaccine you have better protection from covid's worst outcomes and that's a big deal find updated covid vaccines near you at vaccines.gov we can do this Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
2: ESISupply.net It's not if you're going to have a spill at your business or workplace, it's when. supply.net Exorbent pads by the bundle or roll. ESISupply.net Sockneck Boom Products, Oil Gator, Oil Dry, Spill Kits, and much more. ESISupply.net
3: You know, there's a reason, I think, why as much as we experience the color brown, it is not the color of any of our favorite football teams, baseball teams, hockey teams, or even wardrobes, usually, unless perhaps you're a monk. Brown is the color that we are all seeing so much of. In this case, ivy growing on the brick wall. Yeah, the chances are very good that ivy's going to leaf back out, but... We won't know for several more weeks whether it is, and there is not really anything that you can do except clean off what's fallen off. Um, I don't want you to even take the rake to the wall and get those get the ones off that might be loose at this particular point because they're still holding on. And if that that tissue is exposed, then it's going to be subject to the next vagary of weather, and we don't need another another assault to that ivy. So I am going to quote my friend again and say. Look the other way, just for a little while. <laughs> not not forever, just for a little while. Where to put an asparagus bed in, uh, this is Lee trying to plan for an asparagus bed in the Hattiesburg area. Really, somewhere that you're not going to have to mess with it for six or eight years and that has sun. So in other words, don't put it under a tree, don't put it next to where you're planting a tree because that tree is then going to shade it before you're going to want that to happen. It needs a full sun It needs to be on the high part of your ground because you don't ever want an asparagus bed to sit in water, even rainwater, and you want to build it so that it's high and deep. That is to say, get it above ground, but you also, if you if, if you have your ideal, you're going to make an 18-inch deep bed, and you'll still have six or seven inches of, of soil on top of it as well to plant the the asparagus in but the main thing is a sunny site that does not need to be disturbed for at least five years and access to water not only that but the will to use it when necessary and be sure that you have a really good soil that is as deep as it possibly can be as well as as well as a little bit raised up um, asparagus is not impossible to grow if you've ever ridden through places where it's grown commercially, generally it's grown on on a very high row and with a, a long, it it looks as if someone took a soybean field and, and pushed it up because the, the the rows are that much higher and the furrows are that much deeper in, in order to keep that asparagus soil itself from ever getting totally saturated. And it's a, it's a lovely it's a lovely plant, pretty and and delicious as well let's see i believe i shocked my lemon tree in the fall well i, I mine looks kind of like that too I, I can understand it lost all of its leaves will it recover if it didn't freeze yes um that's in new albany but that's true everywhere the chances are good that i will be doing a pruning video very soon on mine because it, it did go through a bit of a rough rough patch um in the summertime and it never quite recovered as like as i would have liked it to ended up with just a couple of flowers and now i want to. Grow it so it can bloom again, and yes, it's going to take a, a little bit of concern, a little bit of attention, but I'm not going to I'm not going to hurt it. I'm, it's an indoor plant at this point, so I can do some pruning on it. If that stimulates new growth, so much the better. I tell you something else I've had to take outside, and I just I don't know if it's going to make it or not, but uh, I I kept my cardboard fern, which is a tropical plant, um, in indoors. And it looked terrible, so I put it back out. And it wasn't in the really, really cold weather, but it's been in something that's colder than it would like. And it just looks sad. I think I'm going to have to give it to somebody farther south pretty soon. (laughs) It's not not the easiest plant to grow. Well, y'all know that I have a new kitten. And the question is, why are they different? I've raised cats all my life, and this one is smarter. It's kind of frightening. She comes when I call her name. She knows exactly what's what. She, she she runs roughshod over the other cats, and they allow it, apparently because she's clever and smart and faster than them. But I think maybe I'm starting to understand this from a study of zebrafish. Now, when we have a thing called baz one b all right. This is a, this is in our genetics and domesticated species like dogs and cats show genetic differences compared to their wild types including variation in this particular gene. This particular gene is not necessarily responsible for the fact that dogs now smile at us, you know, we you remember we studied that last year sometime, but but that is part of the change. It's also smaller mouth um less aggression and more interaction social more socio inner inner type of act- of interaction. Well, if the zebra fish the zebra fish that don't have that, have a different sort of a shift in their gene, are not as friendly to one another, and we can see this in dogs and cats, perhaps it's because we understand this really basic process not everybody wants to be domesticated, and those that do, whether they're zebra fish or dogs and cats, develop differently. The research on this, the Queen Mary University of London team, studied the impact by undoing things and removing the effect of that particular baz one, and giving the things the opportunity to see. Well, they are different, and so I think maybe my smart cat is just smarter. <laughs> Let's see. Linda from Laurel wants to know if her knockout roses will come back. Um, I don't know. I, In the case of my roses, I've got a few leaves left on most of them, but they look rough. I have was standing there yesterday looking at that at, at my roses that don't look too good, and they are my very, very favorite, my Clotilde Superiors that just look rough right now. It was all I could do not to start pruning on them, but I know not to do that until the middle of February. And, yes, I will do it then, and then I'll tell you what happens. But here's the thing. If if they don't come back, that's also the time to plant. So we will be, we will be working it then. Or, like me, I was looking at them and I was saying, well, you know, that deck's a little small. If I have to take these out, I think I'm going to make the deck bigger. <laughs> See there's always another option. There's always something else that we can put together and find a way to make it all work because plants are going to plants are going to come and plants are going to go. And sadly, some of them do better than others at at staying with us. Um but the knockouts I just can't tell you cuz I can't tell you about any of the roses. We are in the waiting pattern. And in fact, Some of the things, some of the roses are going to be great. Some of them are going to multi-branch and do things that they never did before, and some of them just aren't going to make it. I think I'm going to go home and stand and stare at my sweet olive and my banana shrub. Yes, that's right. The banana shrub is a tree, and yes, that's right. It's probably dead, but it has more leaves on it than the things that are tenderer than it is, which is what is so frustrating. You just can't figure out which is which. It's really something, isn't it? Um, a couple of more tips for you. Don't forget to sharpen your tools. Don't don't go out and start pruning. But this is the only time of the year you're going to have a minute to do that. So give yourself the opportunity to do that. If you are taking off those old camellia buds, for example, I get it. I, I'm, I'm probably going to want to do that myself. But you can also leave them on and let them just fall off on their own. It's okay. The more you can leave alone, the more you can look at something else for a little while, The better off you're going to be in those frozen plants. So why not start some seeds? Start some larkspur. Start some start some candy tuft. For goodness sakes, when else is anybody going to tell you to do that? Well, they'll tell you about it some more next week, right here on Weekend Gardening.
0: Again, Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of Della South Communications.
8: And now, another no brainer money saving tip from Progressive.
3: It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out?
8: Oh, yeah.
6: Let me just toss all these $20 bills. Great.
3: Let me grab you a trash can.
8: Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, potential savings will vary. We expect our information in real-time. U.S. Med carries continuous glucose monitors, which provide real-time readings of blood glucose levels. U.S. Med is an approved provider for Medicare and over 500 private insurers. So call 800-730-8405 today for a free insurance and Medicare benefits check. As easy as... That's 800-730-8405